So, good morning. I am Pastor Andy. Adam is on vacation this week, and so well-deserved. And I'm excited to have the opportunity to share God's Word with you this morning. Uh, Before we get into the sermon, I'm going to give a shameless plug for uh, my class that's coming up. Debbie Reeves and I are leading a class. Um, Starts in two weeks, August 4th, and during this hour, second service, and it's called Where the Gospel Meets Social Justice. Um, If you think you're a social justice warrior and it's something you're passionate about, this class would be right up your alley. You would love it. If social justice is a phrase that makes your skin crawl, this is a great class for you to come to as well because we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about social justice and, and how do we do that, how we um, mix it with the gospel and how do we share the love of Christ. So I really challenge you to come to that. Um, it's going to be good during the second hour again, 1030 in room 107 or the multipurpose room. So it's going to be awesome. And with that shameless plug, we're going to have a sermon about humility. All right. Um, <laughs> What's funny is it really is about humility today. Um, So we've been in this sermon series called Stretch It Out, um, embracing the pain of a growing faith, all right? We're talking how just in the same way as exercise, I am by far at the place in my life where if I do not stretch before I exercise, which doesn't happen often, but if I don't stretch, um, it's going to be a week of hobbling around, And if I don't stretch after I've exercised, it might be a week and a half, all right? Um, But stretching only does us good if we get to the point where there's just a little bit of pain, where there is a little bit of discomfort. If all we ever do is, okay, I can handle that, you know, we're good, all right, no pain there, all right, I did my stretching for the day. What good has that done me? It's done nothing. It's, It's not, stretching is meant to push our muscles to the limit so that it grows and gets stronger and stronger. And within the Christian faith, we have that same dynamic. Um, Pain happens. Trials come in our lives. And we cannot just say we, we just want the comfortable way out every time. Some of God's best growth and his best transformation that happens in our lives is through trials, it's through difficulties, it is through pain, whether we like it or not. God does his best work in this. And so this series, it kind of has been building on itself. We talked about the importance of being willing to embrace the pain, um, being patient, um, willing to to wait. And then also last week we looked at, um, you know, taking on our limits. Um, And I really encourage you, if you aren't here, those videos are on our app or it's on our online, and you can go and listen to those sermons. Um, this week, we're talking about embracing humility. Embracing humility. Um, it's just a part of this process as we grow in faith, as we look to God, as we experience these trials. How do we come to the other end stronger, healthier, more complete in our faith? With Jesus Christ. And our memory verse that's been serving us um, for this whole time comes from James chapter 1. And so let's read this together. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Isn't that what you do? 
Whenever hard times come, you go, yay, it's, it's a hard time. But this is what he says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So this is what we're trying to do. In the midst, and this, you may not be going through a hard period right now, okay? But I guarantee you, tough times are coming. When we go through difficulties, when we go through trials, how do we go through them with our, not just our faith intact, but how do we come to the end of those even stronger, more complete, more mature? And so this week we're going to talk about humility. How do we have humility even in the midst of pain? And humility, I think it's one of those words sometimes that we can get a wrong picture of what humility really is. Because um, we think, we use the term, you know, humble means or a humble background, just, and that just generally means somebody who has, you know, less, less money, um, less opportunity. And, but humility is really about someone having a modest view of your own importance. Humility defined by Google is a modest view of one's own importance. And so it doesn't necessarily have to do with how much money you have or what house you live in or what car you drive. Humility is more about who's in the center of your world. And there's a few verses that come out a lot that when we talk about humility. And um, so let's, real quick, Psalm 147 says, The Lord lifts up the humble, and he casts the wicked to the ground. Matthew 18 says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And finally, Jesus also in Matthew 23 said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And if you're anything like me, this week when I listen to those verses, you know, when you talk about those who are humble will be lifted up, and those who are already not so humble will be brought low. Um, immediately, my mind went to somebody who I don't think is very humble, okay? Um, it, it just goes to, oh, yeah, well, I'm more, I guess I would say I'm more humble than the other person. We just kind of naturally have this ability to compare ourselves to other people. And because, you know, if I'm not humble... This is not good news for me when I hear that passage. And so I easily think of, well, so-and-so is not very humble, and I'm better than them. In fact, you know, I'm not too bad. I guess I'm really not too humble. You know, in fact, I might be the most humble person I know. Okay? We just have this ability to talk our way into things. But humility... It's not about comparing ourselves to other people. The Apostle Paul would challenge us that uh, you're comparing yourself to the wrong person. And in Philippians 2, this is what he, how Paul defines what humility looks like and what it is. Paul says this, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only 
look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And Paul continues on in this passage to talk about Jesus, that even though he was God, he set that aside. He set it aside for the sake of us in thinking of the betterment, to die for our sins, to bring hope, and that because of that, God has raised him, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when we look at humility, humility is about who is at the center of your world. When you think about how you interact with people, when you are in your car driving, who's in the center of your world? Who's most important to you? So it doesn't matter what your economic circumstances are or whatever, who's at the center of your world? And, but specifically, we're talking about this you know, embracing pain, and pain is really good at making us focus on ourselves. I mean, just the way pain works, when you get a pinprick or a bee sting or something, what happens? Your focus just zones right in, focuses, zeroes in on where that pain is. Whether it's, you know, I burned my finger or I stubbed my toe or whatever, our attention is just focused right in on where that pain is. And it's not just physical pain. For us, even when we experience emotional pain, when we experience spiritual pain and these different things, the same dynamic happens. It so narrowly comes in and we start to look at ourselves and we kind of get stuck in that place of just looking at ourselves. Now, I'm not saying pain isn't bad. It's God's way of saying, hey, there's something wrong here and there's something that needs to be taken care of. But the problem is when we experience emotional pain, spiritual pain, relationships pain, we kind of stay in that self-focus. And a lot of times we do one of two things. We either focus in and we look at it and we say, you know what, my problems because I'm in pain are more important than other people's problems right now. And so we kind of have that and we put on the mantle of victim and we make sure everybody else knows that we're a victim and that we're in pain as well so that people are focusing in on us. But sometimes we do the opposite of that. Sometimes when we experience pain, I don't want people to know that I'm weak. I don't want people to know that I'm struggling. And so I withdraw and I suffer in silence. And I think I'm being humble because I'm just withdrawing. But the problem is what we do in both, whether it's wearing the signpost of victim or withdrawing in silence, we easily slip into this, it's not fair. It's not fair that this has happened to me. And we lack true humility is what the Bible and, and what God defines for us. So, how do we embrace humility even in the midst of pain? Even when we're going, we're struggling through a hard time, whatever it is, how do we not just make ourselves the center of our focus? 
And how do we grow in our faith and come out even stronger? Okay, how do we embrace humility even in the midst of hardship? This morning, we're going to look at the story of Jeremiah. I think Jeremiah is one of the best examples, places to go. Like, how do you, how do you deal with a hard time and come out the other end with a strong faith? Because Jeremiah, I think, had the dirty job of the Old Testament. You know, Mike Rose show that he had several years ago, dirty jobs, the stuff that nobody else wants to do. I think Jeremiah had like one of those jobs. Because um, Jeremiah, uh, man, he had a rough ministry. Okay, he preached for over 40 years. Um, it doesn't really seem like he had any converts during those 40 years. Hardly anybody ever listened to him, all right? He was the prophet during the time when Jerusalem and the people of Judah were sacked. The temple was destroyed. The city was destroyed. And all the people of Judah, God's people, were taken off into exile. Who wants to sign up for that ministry? All right? Um, I'm pretty sure his board of victories and wins and, and losses, there were a lot of marks in the loss column during his ministry in Jerusalem and Judea. And by the way, just to, on top of it all, God says, Jeremiah, you don't get to get married, okay? Um, I want you to buy a plot of land in the middle of the siege of Jerusalem that you'll never get to use or benefit from. Um, you know, you're going to watch all these people go, and eventually you're going to die a refugee in Egypt, who wants to have Jeremiah's job? None of us, because that was a life of difficulty. Even his family didn't like his message very much. It was pretty lonely for Jeremiah. And what was even harder is the message that he preached. He preached to Judah. Difficulty is coming. Judgment is coming. Because you aren't turning your hearts to God. And God is not going to put up with it forever. And it's coming. And this is, in Jeremiah 6, this is his words. This is how Jeremiah felt as he was preaching. He said, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord to them is an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Therefore, I am full of wrath of the Lord, and I am weary of holding it in. I mean, Jeremiah, he preached God's word, and he hoped that people would change. And maybe, maybe this, the Babylonians won't come if we change, but they never did. And he was just weary. He was tired. How do you keep on going in the midst of this? Part of it has to do with how do you define what success is. For Jeremiah, success was not defined by the number of converts. It wasn't defined by the changes that had to be seen. For him, success was doing what God told him to do. That's how Jeremiah defined success, to do what God told him to do, even in the midst of pain, difficulty, and hardship. This would, understand, this was the worst period in the history of Judah. This was the darkest days. 
For me, I can speak. Jeremiah had a big impact in my life about four years ago, the book of Jeremiah. Four years ago, we had been going through some challenging times on the mission field in Ivory Coast as we were missionaries. We made some changes right before we came home on furlough that were starting to bear fruit. Um, and the major change was a friend of ours, Pasquier. We put him in leadership of a couple key ministries. And during that time, I mean, we were resting back here stateside, and Pasquier was doing a great job. He was putting things into place, and we had hope. Things are moving in the right direction. And I went back in May um, for a series of meetings. It was encouraging, and flew back home. And as soon as I landed in Washington, D.C., I got a message, and Pasquier died. That night, as I was on the plane, and it made no sense, and it hurt, and I was mad, because things were finally turning around, and it, why would you do that? And what was so hard was that wasn't the worst of it. Two weeks later, I heard that one of our key pastors had accused another one of our leaders of killing Pasquier through witchcraft. And our leaders in our churches and the mission just divided. And everything started to crumble. And I just, in my prayers, my personal prayers, I remember telling God, I don't want to be a missionary to Ivory Coast anymore. This is too hard. I don't even know what I'd do if I went back. I, I have no idea where to go from here. And for three months, that was kind of my prayer. And so for me, that pain that I experienced, and I started to read some of the stories, some of encouraged me to read the story of Jeremiah. And I saw that. And for me, it was getting the point of pain to being able to pray, God, I don't know what you are doing. But all I know is I need you to fix this because I don't want to go. And that's where I found myself. And it was hard. And I wasn't sure. If you had offered me a job at that three-month period, I probably would have said yes. But God in his wisdom did not offer me a job in that three-month period. Jeremiah, he reminds us that God invites us to question him. He invites us to voice our concerns. But at the same time, we need to take a posture of humility and remember that, ultimately, he is God and I am not. And it's even in the midst of trials and hardship and pain, humility points us to put God in the middle. And the question is, do you trust him? Even when life doesn't make sense, do you trust him? That's the question. And that's the question I wrestled with for three months. Ultimately, Jeremiah 
as the exiles were headed off, his message switched from one of danger that when it finally came, it switched to a message of hope that God had not abandoned them, but that God was still with them, even in the exile. And so this is so important. When you are dealing with hard times, this is the message you need to hear. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. At the very moment that it was darkest and it was the hardest, Jeremiah's message from God said, I know it seems hard. I know it's dark and it makes no sense. But do you trust me? Because I am good and my promises are true. I am good and my promises are true. And there is something better that is coming. That truth is so hard sometimes to swallow. When you are going through the pain, whatever it might be, but it is the key to coming out the other end in a healthy place. Growing in your faith, a faith that is stronger, that can move forward. He said this in Jeremiah 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt, they broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write, on them, write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Even though it was bleak, Jeremiah told the exiles these three powerful truths. God is good. It may not feel like it. It may not seem like it. But God is good. God's promises are true. And God is preparing something better. And it was hard. It was hard to see because he's saying this and it's like, we've been taken off in chains. We feel bound. But he says, you have to trust me that something better is coming. For me, in my story, at September, we went back to Ivory Coast and had a series of meetings. And for me, when I saw that God had actually answered that prayer that I kind of prayed with doubt, that healing had started to happen, 
there was forgiveness that had been asked. Um, and so I got to the point where I was like, well, you held up your end of the bargain. You answered that prayer. And I finally got to a place where I said, okay, Lord, I'm willing to go. Within two weeks of me finally saying that, God filled all our support that we needed to go back. And so we went back. And two years from when Pasquier died, our family returned. And the key was, I went going saying, God, I don't know what I can do. All I can do is just love on people before. This was our last couple years that we're going to be there. And I really felt God answer that prayer almost audibly in my heart. And he said, that's all I've ever asked. is for you to be faithful and you do what you can do. And I will do the rest. And we were able to leave Ivory Coast in such a healthy place. Being able to have good relationships, to say healthy goodbyes. And I could never have imagined it before. The better that God had in store for our family. That he blessed us with that. God is good. His promises are true. And he has something better. Part of the challenge of being humble, though, in the something better, not every time is that something better for you. Sometimes the something better is right around the corner. Sometimes it's a couple years from now. That something better that God is doing through your pain may be for your children and your grandchildren's sake. And that something better, it might even be for somebody you don't even know. Humility in the midst of pain is being willing to endure it, to be faithful in it, even if it means God does it through you for somebody else. Because we don't know who's watching. It may be your neighbor who doubts, but when they see you struggle, but you hold firm to faith, they go, that, that must be true. That Jesus thing must be true. That something better may not be for you, but it is for his kingdom. And growing in our faith means trusting that God knows what he is doing, even if I don't. Humility through pain is trusting that God knows what he is doing, even if I don't. Jeremiah, he said this. So, I mean, it sounds good. What do you actually do? Okay, okay if I say God is good, his promises are true. How do I live my, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship? What do we actually do? And Jeremiah, this is what he told the exiles. As they're going off as slaves, taken away. In Jeremiah 29, he says this. This is what the Lord of the heavens armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He was exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes. And plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So what do we do in the midst of pain? What do we do during those times where he says, God, I have nothing else, but I will trust you. 
what does he tell them to do? Celebrate life. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it hurts. Build houses and live in it. Plant a garden. Be fruitful. Get married. Have children. Have grandchildren. But also pray for the peace and prosperity of even those who brought you there, your enemies. It's hard. I know it hurts. Trust me, but celebrate life, even in the midst of pain. Don't get lost in the darkness, in the fog of your circumstances. Celebrate life. Because when difficulty comes, choose to praise the Lord and believe that he is good and his promises are true. When you've lost that job, choose to praise the Lord, for he is good. When you've lost your loved one, I know it's hard, but choose life. Choose to praise him, for he is good, and his promises are true. No matter what comes, praise the Lord. And hold on, he is good, his promises are true. And something better is coming. We have to believe it. And he will bring us through and our faith will be growing and will be stretched in the midst of it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that even in the hard times of this life, in the darkness, in the pain, in the sorrow, that you are with us. The enemy comes And he says, we are alone. The enemy comes with his lies, saying, you are not there. The enemy comes to distract us. Help us to listen to your spirit, to know that you are good. Your promises are true. You are with us in the midst of it. And you have something better that is coming. Thank you for that promise. Help us to praise you, to praise you in the good to praise you in the bad, to praise you in the sorrow, to praise you in the joys, that no matter what, that we can stand and we can praise 